Um, now I know, Marcus, you're going to um, lead the scripture for us and then um, also pray for us as we enter into our time in God's word. And so I would ask all of us, can we all stand as we read God's word together? As a reminder, we stand out of reverence and awe for God and for his word. If you've got your Bibles, we are in the book of John, uh, chapter 5, starting at verse 30. These are Jesus' words. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. Amen. Amen. All right. You you want to pray for us as we get into this? All right. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you in this next half hour, Lord. I pray that our hearts will be open to receive your word that is life-changing unlike anything else in the world. Mm. Father God, as we open our hearts and our mind, may we receive what you have for us this day, individually and collectively, Lord. I pray for our congregation and our city. I pray that these words that will be spoken in the next half hour We have an impact beyond this building, beyond this city, Mm. and in many lives, oh God. We Mm -hmm. thank you that we are able to gather and hear your word in these days. Lord, we give you all the honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 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 Let's uh, thank Marcus again and the Doe family. And yeah, you guys can go ahead and be seated now and... um, as Marcus just, just said, and as we were in, um, in John chapter 5, verse 30 through 47 is where we'll be together this evening. And uh, if you all will go ahead and turn with me, if you have a copy of God's Word with you, would love for you to turn there and to follow along, because um, we're going to be diving in pretty quickly here. And um, I just want to remind us, and some of you might, you've heard this before, but um, I lo- love you and am blessed and honored to be your pastor and to get to preach uh, to you. And, and I'll just share with you out of the gates that this morning, um, God really impressed upon my heart how convicting this sermon and this passage is. For myself, it, it has been as I prepared, as I've dug in. Um, and I know it, those of you who were here last week, Gary Nebaker preached, which was awesome and um, so good. And he explained that this is kind of the second part that we're in this evening is the second part of a two-part, if you will, or a, a sermon that Jesus preaches and um, and it'll it might feel a bit jarring for us this evening. Is it, is it might be heavy? I don't know fully what the Lord will do among us. But but my prayer, as is always the case, is that we will see Jesus, that we will make much of Jesus, and that it might feel like He's bringing us into His evaluating, maybe even indicting light, and that sometimes that can be uncomfortable, but um, ultimately good. And that's our, our confidence that we come as we come before him and, and uh, uh, his word. So with that, let me ask us a question just out of the gates. And it's this, why don't you believe Jesus? And you might be thinking out of the gates, oh, I do. I'm here. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Um, I'm at church. I do believe Jesus. And, and we can, if that's the case, amen. You have saving faith. You've put your trust 
in Christ. And yet, um, and if you're not, I want to again just say welcome. I'm really glad you're here. If you're exploring Christianity and learning what it looks like and uh, what it means to follow Jesus, to put your faith in him, hopefully this will even help clarify that to some degree. Because when I ask that question, why don't you believe Jesus, it's, it's, it's a fully orbed sense of the word belief that this scripture, as we look at it this evening, and as we have all throughout John, that belief is, is not just an intellectual assent, but it is this, does Jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he's said, is that the filter, the lens, the framework, the starting point and the ending point for everything you um, do and say and believe and every way you interact with the world is Jesus and who he is, his gospel, his good news. Does that shape all of it? And I think if we're honest with ourselves on some level in different aspects of life, at times we are, are what is known as our functional faith, our functional belief, is not in line with our confessional belief, with what we say out of our words, out of our mouth. It doesn't line up with how we actually live, and it reveals a lack of belief. And so what happens in this time, again, as Gary talked about some last week, is that Jesus went from being um, kind of on trial to flipping the script and putting us on trial. Okay, he went from getting evaluated and, 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 and uh, critiqued and questioned by some religious authorities, and perhaps some of us approach God that way. Hey, prove yourself to me, show yourself to me. If you do these things, if you jump through these hoops, I'll decide whether or not I'm going to follow you. And if God is truly God, he ultimately calls us to account. And that's what Jesus does is he turns the script again and says, no, 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 you need to evaluate why you don't believe me. And, and, and that's what, what, what he's, he's doing now and what we come under. So again, we come into the light. We come under the evaluation of Jesus this evening. And, and in verse 30, this kind of sets the tone and gives us an example, a whole look at Jesus's entire life and ministry. As Marcus just read for us, verse 30 says, I can do nothing of my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You, you, can, you can understand Jesus's entire life, his entire posture, his entire ministry with these words of Jesus saying, not my will, but God's will. Not my glory, but the Father's glory. And then we hear in different places we talk about here that in the end, the father will glorify Jesus and Jesus knows that and trusts that. But his entire posture, everything about him is not me, but God. And then what's wrong with us is he now turns the indictment on us is that we will learn and we will see our posture because of what the, what the scriptures call sin, which is ultimately turning away from God is, is not God, but me. Not God's glory, but my glory. Not life defined the way he says life should be lived and gained, but life the way I can gain it and establish it. And, that's, I, and, and we need to have some level of understanding here, again, this evening or this morning online, that as we come into this, my assumption is what, what is called um, the sin condition. Okay, that by nature and by, by choice, we have all turned away. And while Jesus' entire life is not me, but God, ours is not God, but me. 
And Jesus says, that's problematic. He says, ultimately, that's why you don't believe. That's why we miss Jesus. And so right out of the gates here, I'm going to walk through what Jesus does as he kind of puts us on trial is he calls four witnesses and he reveals, listen, there have been four witnesses to who I am. There have been four witnesses to the glory of Jesus, to the good news of the gospel. And, and you haven't believed any of those witnesses. And so we're going to walk through those four very briefly. I'm going to read through the scriptures. And then again, we're going to kind of hunker down in, in, in coming under the light, in revealing what he wants to call out among us. But let's look at these four witnesses that he reveals. In the first one, picking up in verse 33. He says, John the Baptist bore witness to who I am. You sent to John, and he has bore witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice him for a while in his light. You, you were willing for a little while to rejoice. And, and, and what this means, right, he goes out of his way to say, um, you don't need, you don't need um, John the Baptist, or he's saying, I don't need John the Baptist to, to affirm me or to give testimony, to bear witness to me. I don't need man to affirm me. But he says, you do. And so God gave you a man who you respected for a little while. What you're calling for, what you're demanding, God, prove yourself to me. God, show yourself to me. He's like, I gave you that for a little while. What you were asking for, I gave you, and even still, it wasn't enough. John the Baptist eventually, because he testified of Jesus constantly, right? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus was coming, right, he said that, and, and yet people ultimately reject Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he's like, listen, you, you thought John was enough and God provided him, not that I needed him, but you needed him, and he still wasn't enough. First witness, John. The second witness is Jesus' own works. In verse 36, he says this, But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me, right? Jesus has just healed someone who was lame for years and years. Jesus has turned water to wine. Jesus has performed miracles. Okay, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God ordained that Jesus would perform these miracles to reveal that he is the fulfillment of all the prophecies of scripture. And still, that's not enough. Okay, these people just like us today, many of us, I think if we're honest with ourselves, can admit, well, God, if you would just do this, I would believe. If you'd, you know, open up the skies and say, you know, oogie boogie, like, then I'd believe, right? Then I'd really do it. Like, again, and if we're honest with ourselves, it's, it's a dog and pony show. It's jump through these hoops and then I'll believe in you. And what he's saying here is all these things that God has done, it's still not enough. He's revealed all these miracles, all these works, and that's not enough for you to base your trust, your belief, your life-shaping hope in Christ. John the Baptist, his works. And then Jesus says, even the Father. In verse 37, he says this, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. 
saying, listen, the Father has sent me, Jesus says, and you reveal that you actually don't believe the Father, you don't trust the Father because you don't believe me. Okay, and this is Jesus again reiterating, reestablishing his oneness with the Father. That, and we'll see this in John chapter 17 as Jesus is praying to the Father on our behalf. And Jesus says, listen, you don't trust the Father. You don't believe the Father. And that's evidence because you don't believe me whom the Father has sent. And then lastly, and hopefully this is again something that maybe, maybe strikes a chord in our own hearts. He says, and even the scriptures all give an account of me, all testify to me and yet you don't believe the scriptures. This is what he says, picking up in, uh, in verse 39 through 41. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Okay, he's saying the scriptures. And then later down in verse 30, uh, 46 and 47, he talks about Moses and Moses condemns you. And that includes the scriptures. And what he's saying, listen, the scriptures bear witness about me. The scriptures, if you read the Bible, because God has, has ordained that Jesus is the hero and the author of the story. He is all throughout from cover to cover. It's all about Jesus. Again, if you're new to Christianity in some way, um, I want you to understand that, that Jesus doesn't just start like two-thirds of the way through the Bible in the New Testament. That No, it has all been about him, that he is, again, the author and the hero of the story altogether. And he says, listen, Moses was, was testifying about me, Jesus says, but, but you missed him because they are looking Elsewhere, and, and I think there's an indictment on them that, that is similar to us, is this, and I want us to honestly evaluate in our hearts. Do we use the scriptures to affirm our assessment of the world? Do we go to the scriptures to say, well, I believe these things, and now I'm going to find a couple of passages or even my entire understanding of the Bible. I'm going to use that to make sense of what I already believe because that's what these religious authorities have done. And Jesus says, because you handle God's word that way, you've missed me. Okay, it's all been about Jesus all along. And because you have parsed things and taken things apart to affirm your place and your position and your understanding of the world. And this isn't just ancient Judaism. This is you and me today. And we'll look at that a little bit that because we're looking on parallel planes and we're interacting with one another and we want to beat one another, we want to win the argument over each other and we want to puff ourselves up and we use even the scriptures to do that about ourselves. And in so doing, we miss Jesus. And they have missed Jesus. And my fear is we often miss Jesus. Right, look back at verse 40 and 41 with me again. He says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people. Now, this is the, the hinge point case. We transition and kind of come under the light of his evaluation of us, of our own lack of belief, of our own hearts. He says, it's because you don't want to believe and it's because you're so used to seeing people's glory coming from other places, from themselves. We're so used to the economy of power 
in the kingdom of this world that we miss Jesus. When Jesus comes as a humble servant, when Jesus comes in and God is testifying to who he is through his word, through John the Baptist, through his miracles, ultimately through the Father, we miss Jesus because he doesn't look like the kind of leaders and rulers and authorities that we expect, that we've grown used to give our, 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 our allegiance to. And again, church, I think, and hopefully we'll see here, that's true for us today. We've grown so used to other rulers, other kings, if you will, other economies of power that we either try to shoehorn, we try to squeeze Jesus into those, or if we're honest with ourselves, we just miss him or reject him altogether. And that's what we see here as we now turn to verses um, 42 through 44, we see Jesus explaining this. And I'm just going to explain this a bit, and then we're going to, again, just kind of come under and do some honest heart evaluation together. So look at uh, verse, verse 42 now with me. He says, But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If anyone comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes only or that comes from the only God? Okay, let me read verse 43 again. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. But if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Okay, it's this that 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 that, that people rejected Jesus because he came and they said, that's not what you're supposed to look like. No, the Messiah is supposed to come wielding a sword. He's not supposed to come as a humble servant. He's supposed to come just like all the other rulers and leaders that we've grown used to. He's, he's going to come. We're used to submitting to he, someone who just says whatever they think and who just kind of bowls over people and who is taller than everyone else. Amen? No, you know, and, and someone who, is, who looks better and is more articulate and who comes from a, a, a high-positioned family and who, who, has, who is wealthy and all these things. They say, you don't look right. But when he says you would accept someone if they came in their own name, saying you would accept that person, you would accept an arrogant leader who came and, and, who, and who positioned himself and, 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 and who postured himself in such a way that, that was ultimately not biblical, ultimately not Christ, that, that operated still in the economy of power that we've grown so used to in a, in a kingdom of this world, in the, in, in the sinful way that we relate with one another. If someone comes to you and looks like you and talks like you, um, you would accept him, but you don't accept me because I'm from a, a different kingdom altogether. Am I all alone? Okay, it, it, Jesus, and, and so what, what he's saying here is you, you would be affirmed in your own sin if you related with someone else who comes to you sinfully. You, you're justified in your whole broken approach to the world, and that's revealed by how you, how you accept people who, who, who look like you and you reject Jesus who looks altogether different. I'm convicted and when he goes on and he, and he says that, that, that you, he says in verse 44, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another? Can you're so used to getting glory and approval and affirmation from one another, from each other, that, that we miss him altogether and that his affirmation, his glory is, is altogether different and that that is where life comes from. But, but, but we, we, we've, we've settled 
and in so doing, we've missed Jesus. All right, to help us understand this a little bit, if you have your Bible, um, turn over to John chapter 12, verses 42 through 43, where we see this same kind of interaction, but it's said even a little more, more, more plainly, where we understand what he's getting at here in verse um, up there earlier that we just read in verse 44. Okay, so John chapter 12, verses 42 through 43 says this. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Okay, this is over 2,000 years old. And you know what we're just now hearing? You, you don't trust Jesus. You don't go all in in your belief of Jesus because you're afraid of being canceled. All right, I know this, this language. Some of you may have never heard this before, but we're in the middle right now of, what, of this idea of cancel culture, of, of unless you say everything I want you to say, unless you check all the boxes and fit into this category, then I have nothing to do with you. Then I will reject you um, altogether. You have nothing to offer unless it all lines up here with all this, 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 this structure that I've established or we've established that's chaotic and confusing and inconsistent and unstable. And, and I don't know if you've heard that. I don't even know, to be totally honest with you, because I'm not always up and up on what's cool and what's new. But, um, like, cancel culture comes from everywhere. And it's old. It's not new. It goes back as far as, as Jesus' time. And what we just read in John chapter 12 is, is these people were worried. They would believe in Jesus. They would see him. They would say, oh, I see his miracles. I see that John the Baptist testified of him. I see that the scriptures speak about him. But if I start naming the name of Jesus... In this context, it would be their, someone's Jewishness, which was, like in most cultures around the world, religion, culture, family, everything. Okay, I want to sympathize with that for a moment. It's not as easy as, oh, just testify to Jesus. Just believe in, okay, there's loss. When Jesus talks about take up your cross and follow me, there, there can be loss. But I want to be clear that there, there actually is loss. There's ultimately gain in being found in Christ and living for his glory, but it also comes, the, the promise is, no, you will be canceled. And for those people that we just read about in John chapter 12, the, the fear of being canceled ultimately led them to reject Jesus. And now this is where I really want us to come under the evaluative light of Jesus and evaluate what kind of fears do we have from whom do we worry that we will be canceled or rejected that leads us to rejecting Jesus, to not believing in Jesus? And, and, and when I say that, I, I want to say, too, that we could, again, try to create Jesus in our own image like many of them did and say, oh, well, no, I am believing Jesus. I'm not rejecting Jesus, but the real Jesus, the true Jesus, again, we come under his submission, and he doesn't fit anywhere other than his kingdom. Amen? Let me, let me bring this home a bit more for us. Let me help it hit home in a little more uncomfortable, and I'll just take some chances here together. Okay, consider with me, and we probably have some in this room, we're more of a downtown Tucson church 
we're a homeless church right now, but normally, right, we're in the downtown context, one of the more liberal, blue, progressive parts of our city. And so probably many of us within the church come with a posture of, well, I I tend to be more of a progressive person. I tend to identify this way, and I love Jesus, that he is radical. I love that Jesus loves the least of things, and I am a Christian, and, but I especially love the things that Jesus says and does that really align with this entire worldview that I've gotten used to operating out of this, this community that I'm really a part of, the, the place where I teach, the, the, the friends that I have, the whole way of life that I have maybe leans left, and, and this is where I've really found, and so I really affirm the things that Jesus does and says that fit there, but when he starts saying things that don't fit there, I get quiet. I, I turn away. I try to justify. I try to ignore those parts of scripture that call about, and I'll just again be honest here, in the sake of love, I think we need clarity. Places where he talks about the, 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 the biblical um, definition, the male-female binary. Jesus talking about sexuality, talking about all that we have and do coming under his, his authority, that what it means to be made as an image bearer of God means that we make sense of that in light of what he says, ultimately over what we feel. And that's not to dismiss someone's experience, where someone's at, and by any means, but it does mean that the ultimate foundational place we come to is well, what God says in all my brokenness and struggle and, and, and reality and my own story, ultimately I submit to him. And, and everything comes under the light of who he is and what he says. You can be canceled. All right, you will be. Let me, I don't know if you guys know this. Um, the, the mayor of Portland, it would be more liberal or progressive than anyone in this room. I guarantee it. Okay, he does not say he's a follower of Jesus he would check a lot of boxes that we would not as a as redemption church and he's been canceled in many ways he didn't say all the right things he pushed back on a couple things he said no i don't you know i'm a little worried that we're going to become an anarchy you know city here i want to call out for this boom you know what you're canceled you're canceled he didn't say everything it will you will ultimately never fit in if you try to toe the line of walking with jesus and fitting into any other demographic any other group any other worldview and then let's just it's not there on the right Right? It might be, oh, I, I agree with, with the affirmation of, 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 of the sanctity of human life. I, I agree with the biblical sexual ethic and binary, and, and, and I can fit right here in this demographic, in this group, and I can say all those things. I can wear my, my cross and fit right in. I can be accepted. But then as we start to hear and learn, oh, wow, Jesus did say some things about violence. He did say some things about, about how we how we view our money and our finances and how we relate with others. And, and you start saying that too much, you can start to sound like you're one of the liberals, right? And, and, and or you start to talk about, again, we, as we have here as a church, about, about r- r- racial injustice and about the, the, the eclectic tapestry of God's people. And you can, I can test, you can be canceled all of a sudden. No, what you can't talk about social issues and the gospel in the same paragraph, because that those two words together, that's the social gospel. Boom! Can't do it. You're canceled. And and I, I are you uncomfortable? I am. All right. I, as I've shared here before, church, we can take comfort as we come under the the light of Jesus in knowing we're all going to be uncomfortable together. But let's be honest; it might be for different things. 
But hear me, we've got to understand this. What hopefully we can all say amen to right now is this. Any kingdom that is not ultimately and completely the kingdom of Jesus is all the same kingdom. It's the kingdom of this world. Can I get an amen to that? There are different expressions. Okay, Satan, I know, whoa, we just got crazy now. We're talking about Satan and demons and stuff. Okay, there's a kingdom of darkness, things that are not seen, and, and he is craftier than any of us, and he is wise enough and tricky enough to come looking like ultra-liberal or ultra-conservative, and as long as it's not Jesus, he's cool with it. He's okay with us being discipled and being a part of any other kingdom as long as it's not Jesus's kingdom. And the call to Jesus specifically in this passage is this. You're so used to getting your glory from one another. You're so used to fitting into another kingdom that you miss me and my kingdom altogether. And I hope that indicts us, maybe scares us, but also gives us hope. As his call, his promise is, listen, don't live for you, your glory. Don't live for the glory or the approval or the acceptance that anyone else, any other individual, any other group will give you because ultimately they will reject you. If you stand on the truths of scripture, if you stand on the good news of Jesus and his kingdom, you'll ultimately be canceled. But his promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His promise is, listen, if you receive the glory that can only come from the Father, that can never be taken away. Let me read a, a quote as we kind of land the plane here from an author and a pastor who helps kind of bring this into light. He says this, the love of human glory is contradictory to faith. Faith is drinking of living water for the satisfaction of our souls, okay, not looking for it anywhere else. And the well of that water is the glory of Christ. When we are satisfied with him, the enslaving power of the craving for human glory is broken. Broken by the power of a superior satisfaction. Church, when you and I are satisfied in the glory of Jesus and the affirmation and acceptance that he gives us, that he proves to us by dying on the cross, by saying, I delight in you, I accept you, I forgive you, I let you participate and share in my glorious kingdom for all eternity, then, then everything else falls away. Then and only then are we able to discern, no, this is a part of Jesus's kingdom. I, I won't accept that, I will reject that. I won't accept that, I will reject that. Where there is, I'm gonna get a little bit theological, where there is evidence of what is called common grace, there's always gonna be, because God has created everything and he's good, there will always be something, right? A broken clock is right twice a day. There will be something on the left and the right. There will be things that we should be able to say, amen, yeah, that's true, that's good, hey, amen, that's true and that's good. But again, we've played by these other rules that makes us think, oh, we, there's nothing to affirm there, nothing to affirm there, and, and yet, no, because of God's common grace, because of his goodness and all things are created through him and for him, we can always affirm something, but also because of the sinful condition, because of total depravity, there's also always something. If it's not fully through scripture, Jesus's kingdom, there will always be something to reject and to push back on no matter where we are. Even if it's 90% of that, I can say yes, 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 and amen. That doesn't 
if it doesn't submit to scripture, I can't go there. So church, as we close, I want to ask, what do we do with this? The whole purpose of this book of John, in John chapter 20, says, these things I have written to you so that you may believe life-shaping trust, orientation. You may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through him and him alone, you can have eternal life. So church, will we continue to look for affirmation and acceptance and glory everywhere else? Or will we right now, as we pray, ask that God would help us to find our meaning, our purpose, our identity, our hope, our glory in him? Let's pray together. Um, Father, we need you. We um, are so tempted to go this way or that. Lord, as I shared, I've been so convicted, and I hope that no one hears a finger-wagging shame on you, but instead hears, I'm convicted, and, and yet I'm encouraged by the invitation of Christ to fully surrender to him, to fully pursue and respond to his glory. And so, Lord, I pray that we all now, by, the, by, the, by your Holy Spirit alone, Lord, will you open our eyes and our ears and, and empower us to respond, Lord, perhaps with confession and with joy to the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.